Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. If you missed our show this morning, Mornings with the Coach, here's what you missed. Good morning, everybody. Day number two. Rich and Ryan filling in for the coach. Coach on vacation this week. Good morning to you all. The buzzer on your alarm just went off at 5 a.m. That's right. It's time to get going because we have a lot to get to this morning as we get you ready for work. Good morning, Ryan. How are you? Pretty good. It was a great night last night. What really was so good about last night? It was paddock night. Come on. Paddock day, then paddock, paddock day. night. You got, and... But you need some inflection. Paddock day. Paddock day. Something just to sing what you saw last night with Chris Paddock taking it to the Arizona Diamondbacks. We'll get into that a lot today. We'll talk a lot of Padres baseball. Uh, we'll also talk a lot of NBA basketball today because there's a dumpster fire that is that is still smoke, smoldering, flames, licking the staple center, shots being fired, and don't you ever disrespect Magic Johnson. Yeah, Magic uh, sort of laying waste to his former franchise, uh, the franchise that employed him uh, a couple months ago. I, it, yeah, that was just a crazy day, and you've got a lot of crazy takes coming out about it. And the shocking thing is, I thought I thought Rob Palenka actually handled it pretty well at the press conference. As best as you can. As best as you can, absolutely. You're yeah. sitting up there here looking. Like, normally when something like this happens, and we're going to bring you all the – the sound for the press conference yesterday. We'll have some more sound from Magic Johnson, a reaction from around the league. But normally, if you're sitting there and you're introducing your next head coach, it's a little bit different of a uh, of a situation, scenario, vibe, whatever you want to call it. And especially when something like that happens, then you've got to stand there and face everybody. I mean, Magic Johnson was savage. The fact that he knew what he was doing, he knew when he was doing it, and he knew exactly who he was doing it to, and that the guy would have to face the music as soon as Magic got done saying, boom, drop the mic. Yeah, it, it just fantastic. And, and Magic total, absolutely knew what he was doing, setting Palenka up to have that press conference. Uh, what was your big watch last night? Like, What, what were you focused on? Basketball. I was watching the uh, Doves just turn it on versus the Blazers. I wanted to see... The Curry brothers play against each other, and then I took a nap. Took a nap. Right. I watched. I watched the Padres. I, I was pulled up the the basketball game on the computer and watched the Padres on the big screen. Uh, I, I I can't miss a Paddock start right now. I, I he was coming off as I wanted to see how he rebounded after that tough start in L.A. and I thought he rebounded incredibly well. And I thought one of the great things, if you're a Padre fan, to see was that he struggled in one inning. Gave up, you know, there was a lot of base traffic and things like that. Only gave up the one run. Worked his way out of it and then didn't allow that to snowball into more runs. And that's a learning moment for him. For so, sure, especially coming off of that last start where he gave up two home runs, threw a couple bad pitches, allowed himself to kind of get into a bad flow. He was able to right the ship on that. I had a pitching coach tell me once that, you know, the, the way that you could see someone 
that's beginning to mature. So let's look at, at Paddock. And you can look at his numbers from last night. Seven strikeouts. Outstanding. You know the number that I was the most impressed with? The number that I was the most impressed with that he got six innings, right? Mm-hmm. Gave up the five hits. Like you said, he had base runners on. As I'm looking, the first thing I look at after a Paddock day, how many pitches did he throw? 89 mm. pitches, 63 for strikes. Yeah, That to me. No walks. <clears throat> That, to me, was the most important number of the day. Uh, Jim Russell. Good morning, Jim. Good morning, Rich. Good morning, Ryan. Good morning. Uh, by the way, good morning, Jeff. Good morning. What's up, Hammer? Hammer's out there getting ready to take your telephone calls. We'll open up the phone lines for you early today as well, as we have tickets to give away to the fair. We also have Padre tickets to give away this morning. And quite frankly, I'd like to see Hammer do a lot of work this morning. I'd like to see Hammer busy this morning. So... If you don't hear from him, just make sure he's doing something out there. Well, I mean, listen, of all the people here, uh, I think that he's the most challenged to get to work in the morning. Would you guys agree that Hammer, because he's got so much going on, he's got, he he's, he's, he's all over the place. I mean, he's kind of a rock star around San Diego, so for him to come in and get up this early, I'd like to make sure that he gets a lot of work in today. So 833 0973-833-288-0973. What's the most important number for Chris Paddock? The amount of pitches that he threw. And the reason I say that, Ryan, is that this pitching coach told me once, and, and this is the moment that I saw last night for Chris Paddock, is that when you're a when you're a young fireballer the way he is, and you you come into ball games and you just want to just announce your presence with authority like Nuke Lelouch from Bull Durham. A lot of times you lose you lose your focus, and your focus is to be as efficient and go as deep in the ball game as you can. And for him last night, I think what I saw was a guy who said, okay, I'm not going to be able to get out of here clean. I'm going to give up a run. That's okay. Everybody gives up a run. Nobody has an ERA of 0.00 yeah. for the season. So what he did last night was he limited the damage. And once you're able to do that, then that's that first step to learning how to pitch to contact and go deep into ball games. Yeah, that, that's the thing. Is some nights you're not going to strike out 11 guys. You've got to pitch to contact. And quite frankly, when you're... No, being, every night you got to pitch well, to contact. you know... I. I think that obviously, yeah, it's you know unless you're Kerry Wood and you're striking out twenty, you got to pitch to contact. And, and then and what you're going to do? You're going to blow out your arm before <laughs> you know what you're doing. You got to pitch to contact. You got to go deep into the games if you want to be that ace. And and the thing with Paddock is he knows he's got that pitch cap too. He knows that at ninety pitches, wherever he's at around ninety pitches, they're going to take him out. Last night it just worked out that he got through six and his batting you know spot in the batting order was coming up, so he was gone. Uh, he knows that going into the game. So if he wants to go six, he is going to have to pitch to contact, and he's going to have to trust his stuff in the zone to get guys out and and not just try and blow it by everybody. And and some nights, look, some nights you're going to be it's going to be the Mets game where he was throwing 97 and just blowing guys away. And some nights it's going to be last night where he's working with his stuff in the zone. He gives up five hits, a totally acceptable number, doesn't walk anybody, and you know, is able to get through what he needs to get through and and trust his stuff in the zone. Now, my number of the day was 89. Jim Russell, our producer, pointed something out this morning when we were getting ready for the show. Jim, what's the big number for you today? His ERA, 1.93. It's the lowest ever for a Padres pitcher through nine games. And let's be real, over the years, the Padres have had some pretty good pitchers come through here. And you've had some pretty good pitchers come through here. 
but to have this sub two ERA nine starts in to your big league career, is this potentially early on? And I, I hate doing this, but I'm going to do it anyway. Could he be one of the best the Padres have ever seen walk through here? I mean, the early based on, numbers. Based on pure talent, yeah. Sample size, I don't know. But potential. I, I don't even know if I want to throw talent out there. I, w- I just want to say potential right now. This is something special that you that you kind of perk your head up about. Right, and you're you're looking at Paddock right now, and he's 23 years old. He's on that pitch count. He's coming off, you know, he's still not even that far removed from Tommy John surgery and all that. It, he's a guy who you look at just the raw numbers, the raw stuff, and and, and to have a 1.93 ERA, uh, be second in baseball and WHIP with a 0.76, you know, walks and hits per innings pitched, uh, 56 strikeouts against 11 walks. Uh, I mean. Through nine starts, yeah, he looks like a legit ace, and that's something the Padres haven't had in a while. And he's a guy you can put out there, and especially thinking about next year and the year after and extrapolating this long term, he's a guy you're going to be able to put out there every fifth day, and he's going to be able to get it done for you. He has the potential to be a number one. Uh, You have Mackenzie Gore down in the minor leagues who has the potential to be a number one. Yeah, it, uh, you talk to people in the Potters organization, they'll talk to you about Mackenzie Gore, and the way they speak of him is basically that he's the Tatis of pitching. Like, he's he's a guy who's, they're like, no, no, you don't understand. He is a legit star. Like, everything about him is a star. The way that, you know, you heard all these stories about Tatis and the minors, and then he's going to come up, and you're like, okay, well, he's going to come up, and there's going to be an adjustment period, and he's going to struggle. And he comes up and is hitting 300 with a 900 OPS and playing gold glove caliber defense the first week he's in the big leagues and when you talk to people in the organization and you know i've talked to scouts around baseball about mckenzie gore and they just say oh no no we're not worried about him he's going to be an ace like there's no question so he and paddock long term for this team i mean that's if paddock can get the curveball over for strikes consistently he doesn't even have doesn't even have to be an out pitch he can get that curveball over for strikes and it's just another thing the batters have to listen to, to, to think about and listen to in the back of their mind, he's he's an ace. And that's why I say the potential is yeah. there because I still have to see three pitches to legitimately get through the league three times. Yeah, you can't be fastball changeup for your entire career. That's what relievers are. That's the difference between a reliever and a starter. A reliever can have two pitches, a starter who's going through the lineup three times, and, and that's what happened against the Dodgers. The Dodgers completely eliminated that curveball from their thinking. They just said, if there's a curveball, I'm not going to swing at it. Right. And and I'm going to, because I know he can't throw it for strikes, I'm going to focus on, okay, the changeup's going to be tough to hit. If it's up in the zone, I'm swinging. And basically think fastball. If it's up in the zone in a changeup, I'm swinging. I like to deal in reasonable expectations. Reasonable expectations. Like, my expectation is everybody that comes up should be a Hall of Famer. That's not reasonable, <laughs> right? Ooh, and, and and here's the one thing that I hate that we do as sports fans. I hate that we do this. Let me let me compare Chris Paddock to Nolan Ryan. Let me compare Chris Paddock to Kerry Woods. Let me compare him to, to Roger Clemens. Dude, that's why it's wins above replacement war, not wins above Hall of Famers and superstars. Just let a kid be who he is, right? We always want to say, oh, this is the next, this is the next, that. I think it almost diminishes how important some of these Hall of Famers, some of these superstars are. But I look at this kid's potential. If he can learn to pitch to contact, 
and he can have that curveball, he's going to be something special. And he has the potential to be something really special. If he doesn't learn to pitch to contact, that's going to knock him down a couple pegs in my book. And if he doesn't learn to add that third pitch, people will figure him out very, very quickly. Yeah, and if you look at Paddock's numbers, just right now, in 51 innings, he's given up 28 hits. 28 hits. He's got electric moving stuff. <laughs> I mean, that is insane. He's it, got his fastball command is impeccable. He can spot his fastball and that's where what he wants. In, that's what happened in, in L.A. in his last start was his fastball command was just a little off. It was leaking over the plate when he was trying to throw inside. It was leaking up a little bit. And that's what happens is professional hitters won't punish you for that, something that doesn't happen in the minor leagues. If you throw hard enough in the minor leagues, you can get guys out. It, but, it, you know, it's about location as well. And other than that start in L.A., his command has been unbelievable for a 23-year-old kid. For a 23-year-old kid, uh, the makeup, the swagger that he has. Oh, yeah, don't don't... Don't don't sort of slightly say swagger. That dude's got swagger. Well, I was going to say <laughs> cocky, but I didn't want to go that far. Is there a word between you're you're the wordsmith, by the way? Uh, Rich Herrera, Ryan Phillips, we're filling in for coach today and tomorrow. We'll have uh, Derek Togerson and AJ Castle here on Thursday and Friday as well. Again, it takes an army of us to fill in for coach, but. Is there a word between swagger and cocky? No, I think swagger perfectly describes it. You put a cowboy hat on and a suit to go to your to go to the days you pitch, you got swagger. You want you, like you rock he, that mullet the way he does. It's swagger. When he walks out there, I actually want like the song, the songs you heard from like the Clint Eastwood spaghetti westerns, like yeah, the, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That that's what I want to hear when he walks. Well, out last there. night he walked out to a Johnny Cash song finally, and I think we got what we all wanted. That's that's, that's <laughs> Johnny Cash. Stick with it, Chris. Stick with Johnny Cash, and he's got that black hat, so it it, it makes sense. The two two Swihart swings and misses strike three. Two strikeouts in each of the first two innings for Chris Paddock. Six up, six down against the Diamondbacks. Jesse Agler on the broadcast last night is heard here on 97.3 The Fan. I'm Rich Herrera. That is Ryan Phillips sitting in for the coach. He'll be back on Monday. Thank you so much for joining us. Numbers for you to appear on this program when you're listening to us on 97.3 The Fan, radio.com, or the Alexa, which Ryan, I told everybody yesterday that I set the alarm and the Alexa was going to go off at the house even though I'm working this morning. Um, I did not set the alarm for the Alexa this morning so it's not going to blare and wake the family up. That's really, really, that's really, really nice of you. Instead, I just left the Alexa on all night blaring. So, you know, what are you going to do? Uh, that's the number for you to join us, 833-288-0973, 833-288-0973. Because I asked Ryan a question. Ryan, time to start thinking about the All-Star Game. It's time to start thinking about the Midsummer Classic. Time to start thinking... The best of the best will assemble the All-Star game this year. Which Padres are going to go? I had last night tweeted out that I thought there were three guys who had a case. Three. Chris Not- Chris Paddock, obviously. He's been one of the best pitchers in baseball. Not just the best young pitcher, but one of the best pitchers in baseball this year when he's been on the mound. Fran Mil Reyes and Kirby Yates. Those are my three guys who will be in contention. Now, it's going to depend. If the Padres are 10 games below five they they're going to get one guy. If they're 
in contention for the wild card? Wait, wait, 10 games below 500. Well, I'm just what saying. Are you, I'm, you, are, you, are you throwing out? You're not giving us bad juju over no, here, are I'm you? Just, would you I'm just, like, I'm just back I'm, off. I'm just checking. Back just, off. No, sure. It's but, early in the morning. You don't want to get people in a bad mood. But I No, I'm just, you know, it depends where you are in the standings, and it's going to depend how many guys you get. If, if you're only, uh, if you're not in contention, you're going to get one guy. That's just the way it goes. If you're in the mix, if you're in the mix with a wild card, maybe a couple games closer to the Dodgers, you might get multiple guys. And right now, I, three guys have legitimate cases, I think. One guy that's not on your list I find fascinating is Manny Machado. And he could be. Given given how he's played lately, he could certainly be on a path to be in the mix by the time the All-Star game rolls around. But he had a rough April. And but over the last couple of weeks he's hitting over 300 with a you know 950 OPS or something like that. He's he's certainly on a better trajectory. Plus you factor in the defense. You know what though? I'm I'm gonna throw Manny onto my list automatically, and I want to hear what everybody else has to say. Eight three three two eight eight oh nine seven three. Eight three three two eight eight oh nine seven three. Don't forget we're gonna give away tickets to see the Padres and the Washington Nationals on June sixth and. The fair is starting. The fair is starting. The San Diego County Fair is starting. So we have a family four-pack of tickets to give away to you this morning as well. I'm going to put Manny Machado on my list number one. The one issue I have putting my – and I got some feedback last night that people were saying, you know, why, why not Machado, why not Machado? Well, he's fighting positionally with Anthony Rendon, Justin Turner, Nolan Arenado. So that's he has to be really, really good statistically to compete with those guys by July. It's also a beauty pageant. Of course, it's it more is. of a beauty pageant than than a sabermetricial reverse analytic type of thing. It's a beauty pageant. It's who the fans will look at, who your who your peers will throw in, who the coaches want to add. It's a beauty pageant. The numbers, I think, become second. I mean, for you and I, we could sit here and debate the numbers all day long, but it's really a beauty pageant. Manny Machado, when the Padres side him. Even more so than Eric Hosmer, I thought, you know what? You're never, ever, ever going to have to worry about do the Padres get anybody in the All-Star game? A couple years ago, who are the Padres going to send? I don't know. And then you get those, I hate, I hate, I the hate throw-ins. those riders. Yeah. Well, I hate, I, well, I hate the, the throw-ins are kind of embarrassing sometimes. Right. Um, but I hate the riders that, that will always say, well, you know, why do we have to have somebody from every team represented? Dude, it's the people's game. Give yeah. everybody in baseball a chance to have a reason to buy a, a all-star T-shirt or a cap, right? Everybody yeah, and a reason deserves. to tune in. Yeah, it's frankly. a reason to tune in. Um, but when you sign Machado, he is your all-star for the next decade because that's the kind of gravitas that that guy has. That's why he makes the money that he does. So I think Manny Machado is automatically on that list. Um, slow start, be darned. He's going to make that list. Then as I go through the rest of it, I think Kirby Yates is a closer in baseball right is, now. Is, yeah, Kirby Yates is perfect, right? Yeah, 18 of 18 in saves. 18 of 18 in saves. Um, One, two, 1.23 ERA, 1.05 whip. Uh, he's given up three runs in 22 appearances, and two of those uh, runs he gave up, he gave up one each in back-to-back games against the Dodgers in a non-save situation. Okay, so Kirby Yates, I think, is number two. And I give Darren Balsley a 2A because yeah. if he goes... How many All-Stars has Darren Balsley produced? How many, how many wealthy baseball players has he produced, right? Yeah. How many reclamation projects has that guy taken? 
You mentioned something when when we were talking uh, before he just came back on. What do you love about Kirby Yates? I love that he was DFA'd by the Los Angeles Angels and came to the Padres for free, basically. DFA, designated for assignment. Just released. The Angels said, you know what? We don't think you can play Major League Baseball. Get out. San Diego goes, oh, let me see what I can find over here in the bargain bin. You know, like when you go to... Uh, check out, there's always the discounted stuff, sure. right? Like my favorite discounted store to go to uh, and look through that bin is uh, Staples. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I love going through Staples because you walk through and I'm like, I, I had to go buy Sharpies and note cards because I like the big note cards for when we're doing the show. And then you walk through and there's that just that little table. And it's a card table and one of the legs is wobbly mm-hmm. and uh, the sign is torn and there's just garbage, Except for that one thing that I could find, like um, a new USB cord. Or I could find a thumb drive that is worth $80, but it's been beat up so bad in the package in return, they have it marked down for $5, right? Yeah. That's where they found Kirby Yates, on the scrap heap. They said, you know what, I, I think I could use this guy. And they bring him in, and he is the best closer in baseball. Don't you think everybody else is kicking themselves because they haven't done what Darren Balsley's been able to do? Yeah, and Balsley, as far as I'm concerned, should have a lifetime contract with the Padres. He's been with the team since 2003 and has been stellar. I mean, how many relievers have turned into... Brad Hand? Yeah, have been like... Wait, Brad Hand, was he, was he uh, cut loose? Uh, I don't Marlins, remember. Marlins cut Mar- him loose. They either cut him loose or it was a cheap trade. I yeah, Marlins cut him loose. Yeah, and then, then he goes back to he goes back there as an all star. That's what makes you love some of these guys in the bullpen. Yeah, it, it's unbelievable what Yates is or what uh, Yates has become out of that bullpen. Because remember, I mean, you had um, uh, you you had Brad Hand and Yates was his setup guy, but he wasn't like that. Mike Stanton setting up for Mariano Rivera, right? He I mean, wasn't John Wetland. He wasn't Mariano Rivera setting up for John Wetland. He wasn't that guy. All right, I know we've made this a seven-inning game because I know Brad Handel finish it off, and I hope the guy from Hawaii, Kirby Yates, can finish it off. That that's that's kind of the way it was, and then Hand gets traded. Boom. He steps right into that role. Well, and last year, 2.14 ERA for Kirby Yates, so he was pretty darn good. It's, uh, But, yeah, I mean, it is it is amazing what they've been able to do. And the Padres have consistently been able to replace closers they've traded away for prospects with another closer and just never missed a beat. So you've got – so for my for my All-Stars, Manny Machado's one, Yates is two. Who else did you have on your list? You had Paddock? Paddock, and, and that's going to depend on – if he keeps up this pace, if he keeps up this pace, you can't keep him off the all day. We have one nine three ERA and a zero seven six WHIP. You're going to be on the All Star team. So it's... I'm going to throw Paddock in there as well, and I'm going to have him in my number three spot. And then my Fra- number three spot, Franmil Reyes is the other one. If Franmil Reyes is the guy that I just can't figure out, like when I saw Franmil come up, he didn't have a lot of hype, right? He wasn't like, oh, this is one of these top prospects in baseball, and this guy's going to be the next. Nah, he was just everybody knew he could hit. It's just could he hit at the big league level, league level? Well, there's a that's that's yeah. a, there's a big difference between that. But I kept waiting for someone to figure out where the hole in his swing was. I kept waiting for people to make an adjustment because when he hits the ball, he just tattoos it. He crushes everything that he gets to, and I'm figuring, okay, a guy who hits the ball that hard has got to have a hole in his swing, and they're gonna figure him out. And they didn't. And I kept waiting, and I kept waiting, and I kept waiting, and you don't see him fold. 
You don't see him just swinging uh, for the downs, swinging on his heels, falling down. You keep thinking that somebody's going to figure out how to fool him, and they haven't yet. And I'm slowly figuring out maybe he doesn't have a hole in his swing. Again, with him and with Paddock, a 23-year-old that might be one of the top power threats in baseball right now. And and here's the thing about Framiel, and this needs to get fixed, though. He has 39 hits. 15 or home runs. He needs to be able to hit singles too, you know, and get on base, you know, more consistently. You get, paid, you get paid. What's he going to get paid for? He's going to get paid for the bombs. But the on base on base percentage for him is Which 299. Flies in the face yeah. of. But you know what? It's baseball. It's 2019. Nobody's afraid of a strikeout. Nobody hangs their head in a strikeout. Nobody gets upset when you strike out. No, I, I, I agree with that, but I just think he needs to get on base more consistently. But the other thing that, that, that you can, when you look inside the numbers with him, and he had a really rough April where everybody was talking about, hey, he's going to turn it around. He's hitting the ball too hard to turn around. So far in May, he's hitting 290 with a 953 OPS, seven home runs, 13 RBIs. So he's he's starting to turn it around. Seven bombs. And yeah, he, when he hits bombs. a home run, he doesn't get cheated. Okay. You know, those aren't cheap home runs. Are you feeling chipper this morning? Or are you? Are oh you yeah. Shot out of a cannon. Oh yeah, oh. I'm ready to go, man. I am locked and loaded. Sun's coming up. Um, weather is going to be, I think, better today than it was yeah, yesterday. It's supposed to rain the next two days, but today uh, it's supposed to be better. Traffic seems like it's not so bad. Sue D will be in in just a little bit to give us a traffic update. I'm I'm locked, loaded. I'm I'm excited because we actually saw something genuine. And real yesterday. So I said, and you know this, Ryan. You've been a sports writer for a long time. You know there's the public persona of a lot of people that we think we know, right? Mm -hmm. Red lights on. You've got your tape recorder. They could be as gregarious and nice and accommodating as possible. And then as soon as that red light goes off, they just turn out to be horses you know what, right? See, I'm the exact opposite. Off air, I'm delightful. On air, I'm just On air, you're a little yeah. surly. You got a little you got a little mm-hmm. little to yeah. you, right? But we think we know everybody that we see in sports, right? We think we know who you are simply from your commercials, the interviews, and watching you perform and a lot of times we have these grandiose ideas of who people really are. Yesterday, we saw the mask come off, and we saw who Irvin Magic Johnson really is. I think he is a cold-blooded assassin, a killer, someone who will take your lunch money, someone who will just stand there, and he'll just gut you, and he'll laugh as he has a victory. A victory ride around the arena. You really saw how competitive Magic Johnson, the guy of the million-dollar smile, really is. Yeah, I, I think that Magic, he may, the persona we have of him a little bit is, you know, this really nice, gregarious guy, all that stuff. But he knows what he's doing, and and that was a very calculated move to lay out what had happened with the Lakers that led to his exit from the franchise. And he did it coincidentally, uh, not so coincidentally, on the day that Rob Palenka was going to be in front of the media for the first time 
in a while. All right, so in case you haven't heard this, and if you if you haven't, you're probably living under a rock. But I just want to set I just want to set the mood as much as I have this appreciation of magic just throwing a haymaker at his former team, the L.A. Lakers, and the way they did him. Here's Magic Johnson yesterday on ESPN talking about what really happened to chase him from Staples Center. The straw that broke the camel's back was I wanted to fire Luke Walton. And we had max three meetings. Um, I showed her the things he did well and the things he didn't do well. And I said, listen, we got to get a better coach. We got to get a better coach. I mean, there's just no mincing the words. There's no dancing around it. Yeah, he said a couple times, Luke's a really great guy, but he couldn't coach here, and I wanted to get rid of him. I mean, that is just cold-blooded ice in your veins. Here's the thing I will say about Luke Walton. I'm a little conflicted. He was uh, an elementary school classmate of mine. Was I, he really? I, I, yeah, I've always... Wait a minute. Okay, bury the lead again. Yesterday you told me you played basketball against Tony Gwynn yes. Jr. Now you're just dropping today? You're just dropping today that you were classmates with Luke Walton? Yeah, we were in Miss Smith's homeroom in fifth grade. Uh, was he taller than everybody else? Yes, he was. Yeah, Actually, I think by the time we left elementary school, one guy was like a little bit taller. Okay. But, you know, I like Luke. I've always liked Luke. I've always followed his career. We're talking specifically with basketball. Uh, but it, here's the thing is that as soon as Luke was fired – he was the top coaching candidate on the market. That says something. That says that maybe the issue wasn't with Luke. It was with the organization. To me, that's what that says. Magic, when he came in, he did not pick Luke, and he clearly wanted to go in another direction from very early on. Okay, so this is the real Magic Johnson that we don't know away from the Converse commercials and the McDonald's commercials and all the other commercials that he's done. Here's Magic Johnson throwing. A Moab, the mother of all bombs, on Rob Palenka's head. And then I start hearing, you know, Magic, you're not working hard enough. Magic's not in the office. So people around the Laker office was telling me Rob was saying things. and Rob Palenka. Uh, Rob Palenka. And I didn't like those things being said behind my back, that I wasn't in the office enough and so on and on. Let me just call you out, Rob Palenka. You want to talk trash about me? You want to throw me under the bus? You want to talk trash about me with everybody else? Boom. Take that. Here's the... I guess we got one more magic quote to listen to, but I, I've got something on these comments after he says it. All right, so here's Magic talking about his frustration. My frustration was you got to let me hire my own people, right? And so... And then, again, I don't like when people, listen, if you want to elevate yourself, I'm all for that. You want growth in a, a corporate America or, uh, or at the Lakers, I'm all for that too. But it's a way to get that, right? And it's not talking about the person who's uh, above you. And so I told him when I'm not having fun, I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave. If I'm not having fun, if I don't enjoy my job, I'm out of here. Here's and, and, and look, Magic didn't need that job. He didn't need that job. He was doing it for whatever reason he was doing it. But here's the thing that Ramona Shelburne 
reported yesterday. Okay, set up Ramona Shelburne for us for just a little bit, because you, again, being a scribe, you, you know where all the bodies are buried when it comes to who's been dishing on what's going on with this this dumpster fire with the Lakers. Yeah, and, and she reported that Jeannie Buss asked Magic Johnson several times in person and over the phone if there was anything she should know about his resignation. He said nothing beyond his previous comments until Monday when he somehow managed to do more damage than the first time. And that, that's the, the tweet from Ramona. Yeah, it's if you've got this problem, Magic, there's ways to sort of – there's an outlet for that, and that's to address people in person – not to drop bombs on an ESPN show. So I, I think that while there are people in the Lakers organization who I think deserve to be called out, and, and certainly I think that that's that it's Magic's prerogative to air this out in public. At the same time, when people consistently ask you, "Hey, what's going on? Like, is there a problem? Is there this? Is there that?" and it's somebody you've known as long as Magic has known Genie Bus, maybe be honest with them and let them know, "Hey, this is coming. I'm going to be honest," and he has every right to go on a show and be honest. But to just deny it, deny it, deny it, and then drop a bomb like that, it seems like he's trying to start a war here. Oh, and, there is no doubt and, he is starting a war. Again, and, and, and while that's definitely what's happening, I think, it's interesting because of how much he's talked about, how much he loves Jeannie Buss, and he loves so you know all the people in the Lakers and all that stuff. He wants to, it seems like he wants to devalue the Laker brand, and then when you look at what his follow-up comments was, follow a comment was is that like if the Lakers were up for sale tomorrow yeah I'd I'd want to buy them so it's like he's trying to damage the brand and damage Genie Bus so maybe he can put a group together and then own the Lakers now maybe he's doing that because for the betterment of the Lakers but maybe he's just seeing a business opportunity and doing this as a result uh, by the way coming up at 8 a.m. Arash McCarthy is going to be joining us from the uh, Los Angeles Times and we'll get more on this and uh, Scott Miller by the way will be joining us at 8:30 uh, from Bleacher Report to talk about Paddock Day. Go back to magic, though. Every athlete that has reached the level of success that magic has has to have a little bit of a killer instinct. They have to be able to have so much pride, whatever motivates them. They always need to have something to chase, too. I think that's the reason you you wonder why guys like Michael Jordan and... uh, Charles Barkley and all those guys gamble so much. They're, they're they need chasing something. the thrill. Right, it's, they're chasing the thrill. But do you really think that you could disrespect Magic Johnson in that in that manner and have Magic just go, oh, well, I guess Rob Plink is going to be talking trash behind my back. Oh, well, I guess I came in here getting told one thing that I'm going to make the ultimate decisions, and it turns out I'm not. Do you really think you could disrespect Magic Johnson that way and not have him throw a haymaker at you? No, I agree. I think that he was right to do it, but I also think that if people who you feel have wronged you approach you and say, hey, is there something wrong? Like, can we talk this out? And you say, oh, no, everything's fine. And then you go drop it on an ESPN show. Oh, You've got ulterior motives that aren't just 100%. like I felt. I felt disrespected. Oh no, no, he is out for vengeance for sure. He is out for vengeance. He is out for blood. He is out to destroy the people that ran him off from that organization. It's not a side of magic that you're really used to seeing. You're no, not used at all. to seeing the million dollar smile. You're used to seeing the guy that hey, listen, I'm going to open a couple of coffee shops and a movie theater, and I'm going to build this empire, and I'm going to have my own television show, and I'm going to be best friends with this guy. He wants now, to be Mr. L.A. He wants to be Mr. L.A. He is Mr. L.A. Rob Palinka walked in and disrespected Mr. L.A. 
the face of the Los Angeles Lakers. And Jeannie Buss turned out to be a horrible boss. And he goes, you know what? I am just going to lay waste to all of you. Yeah. I, mean, I love it. I I think there are better ways to handle it personally, but at the same time. For you or for Magic? Because he is Magic. He is iconic. You're iconic. Well, I appreciate that. You are, you're iconic. People follow you. People care what you tweet about. But he is Magic Johnson. We'll have more on this. Again, uh, we'll be talking with a writer from the LA Times coming up at the 8 o'clock hour. Uh, we'll get the latest on what's going on with that. Is it fair for me to call it a dumpster fire? Oh, yeah. Or is that unfair to dumpster fires? It's Well, <laughs> might be unfair to dumpster fires. It might be. Just a little bit. I have a saying about when your, team, when your baseball team wins. It just seems like your day gets a lot better. Like, I see you smiling this morning, Ryan Phillips. I was happy last day, night. Right? Certainly happy last night. I always night. think, you know, your wife gets better looking, the food tastes better, your kid gets smarter. Life is just better when your team wins, right? Yesterday we came in, we were kind of like, oh, Padres fell below. Today, you just feel good because Chris Paddock picked up his fourth win of the season. I'm Rich Scherer. That's Ryan Phillips, senior writer for the Big Lead. We're filling in for Coach uh, today and tomorrow. Derek Togerson and A.J. Cassville will be here on Thursday and Friday. Jim, Jeff, Hammer, we're all here. Phone lines are open, 833-288-0973, 833-288-0973. Quick reminder, Padre fans, follow 97.3 The Fan on Twitter at 97.3 The Fan SD. Get updates, highlights, and videos straight from Petco Park. Follow us on Twitter at 97.3 The Fan SD. All right, we'll have the Padres rewind in just a moment, but I want to finish up with some of these comments in case you haven't heard them. And uh, like I said, uh, Arash Bakazi is going to be joining us from the LA Times coming up at 8 o'clock to talk about the Los Angeles Lakers dumpster fire. And again, Ryan, I apologize to dumpster fires around the world for comparing <laughs> them to the Lakers because it's worse than that. It is. It's bad right now. It is. It is absolutely your I, – I guess how would you even explain this to someone who, who wasn't a Laker fan or wasn't a basketball fan? This is like – your, this is like, I don't even know how to put this in words. It's like your 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 top lieutenant, your vice president, uh, you know, your right hand man turned on you and just obliterated you personally, professionally. He gave away all the company secrets. He gave away what their plans were for the off season. I mean, he just laid waste to Rob Palinka the general manager of the Lakers and his former boss and friend. And I would say almost sister because Jeannie Buss, the daughter of the owner, former owner of the Lakers, the great Jerry Buss was like a father to magic Johnson. I mean, at one point he gave him a piece of the team that he had to sell when he decided to come back. He had to sell off that little piece. And that really was the beginning of this enterprise that magic Johnson uh, has become this corporate behemoth. So he lays waste to the Lakers yesterday on ESPN in a 100% premeditated. Did you see the video, Ryan, last last night of Magic hugging Stephen A. Smith before and after the interview? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that was 100%. Yo, Stephen A., I got some stuff. Why don't I come on and, uh, and I'll, give you a, I'll give you a story. Stephen A., come on over. I mean, that thing was 100% preconceived that they were going to do that on the day the Lakers introduced Frank Vogel, who was not one, not two, but their third choice to coach the Lakers, right? At 
least their at third choice. least. So this is where he is just a deadly assassin. He knows that they have an eleven o'clock press conference. See, he finds a television show to go on before they have their press conference. So Rob Palenka and the Lakers actually have to stand there. They can't hide. They can't shirk this. They have the eleven o'clocker set. What do you think it was like in the Laker offices when people start going up and their phones are blowing up? Like, dude, you better put on uh, ESPN because Magic is absolutely roasting us. Oh, I think it was frantic craziness to try and you know make sure they listen to everything he said and be ready to refute everything he said. And and there was no, I wrote about it, and and there was no way they were not going to refute everything that Magic was had said. It's not like Rob Plinks. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> I stabbed him in the back. I did. He was going to have to say something. So the most awkward press conference of all time, Frank Vogel could have been a potted plant. I felt up really there. bad for Frank Vogel because he's a really, he seems like a good guy and he's a good basketball and respected basketball mind, and nobody cared no at all what cared. he had to say. I mean, Jim Hill was the first uh, local television guy in LA was the first to ask a question and like, okay, fine, Jim. Thank you for being courteous to Frank Vogel, asking a question about him being the head coach of the Lakers. Now let's watch the carnage. Here is Rob Palenka responding back to Magic's comments. It's saddening and disheartening to think he believes things are a misperception. I think all of us in life probably have been through things where maybe there's third-party whispers or he said, she said things that aren't true. I have talked to him several times since he decided to step away. We've had many joy-filled conversations. In fact, two days ago, we were reliving the combine and the fourth pick, talking about the great future that this franchise has. So these things are surprising to hear and disheartening. But I look forward to the opportunity to talk with him and sit down with him and work through them, just like in any relationship, because um, they're just simply not true. I, I stand beside him. I stand with him um, as a colleague, as a partner. I've always supported everything he's done and will continue to. That's the best way to address that. Ryan, react. I think that he handled that about as well as you can in that situation, considering he's facing a firing squad. Uh, I, I think that that was definitely felt like a prepared statement um, right. that maybe he delivered it well, so it didn't sound like he was reading off a sheet of paper. Is sending a word? Hmm? Saddening is that a word? Yeah, I think you can use that. Yeah, it's uh, well, you're the wordsmith. I, you know, that's one of those that I think you get used in speech, but I'm not sure you'd write it in an article. Okay, okay. Uh, but it is uh, about as well as you can respond to something like that when you're when you're in that position. I, I really was surprised because I was waiting for Polink is not a guy that that addresses the media very often or speaks right, in front of the media. Right. So I was expecting it to be really, really bad. Uh, well, uh, yeah. yeah. And it wound up being actually he handled himself pretty well. Uh, doesn't take away from the allegations against him, but it, it I was surprised with how well he handled that. Okay. Was he telling the truth that he had nice conversations with Magic, that they just talked a couple days ago, that uh, you know they're still boys and they were talking about all the great stuff that they did? Was he telling the truth or was Magic telling the truth? Based on what... Jeannie Buss is apparently telling Ramona Shelburne about that Magic seems to be talking to them and, you know, talking to her and being like, oh, no, everything's fine, all that stuff. I tend to think Rob Polinka may have talked to Magic Johnson and Magic said nothing was wrong. And then, which makes it even more cold-blooded that he knew he was planning this, he knew he was going to do this, and he just lured him into the trap and then just, boom! 
Well, and I feel like maybe Magic is a little passive aggressive and maybe like, oh no, guys. A everything, little? Everything's fine. Everything's good. We're fine. We're fine. You know, and then, of course, goes behind their back. And to, see, that's the thing. He's doing exactly what he's mad at Palenka for doing, is going behind his back and saying things about him when you could address it face-to-face. All right, here's one more from Rob Palenka. Trying to work things out with, with Magic. I look forward to the opportunity to talk with him and sit down with him and work through them, just like in any relationship, because um, they're just simply not true. I, I stand beside him. I stand with him. Um, as a colleague, as a partner, um, I've always supported everything he's done and will continue to. Um, and, you know, I think that's the best way to address that. Unless I was telling everybody that he doesn't work enough and he never shows up and he takes off for three weeks and I'm doing all the work and Magic doesn't do anything and, and I'm really running this ball club. That's essentially the message I got from, you know, sorting all of this out. Magic wanted to be the one to make final decisions on everything, but he wasn't actually there to make the final decisions. He would just kind of swoop in and say, okay, well, I want to be in charge when it looked like Palenka was the guy doing all the work. So for Magic, he was literally like someone's ex-wife, soon-to-be ex-wife. Honey, you know what? Why don't we go away for the weekend and see if we can rekindle that romance? And I'll meet you in San Francisco at the Fairmont, and uh, we'll have a nice dinner, and we'll hang out for the weekend, and we'll talk. And you know what? I I really think that everything's going to work out. And you go, you meet her up there for the weekend, everything's great, and then as you get ready to check out, she goes, oh, by the way, here's your divorce papers, up yours. Yeah, kind of. I mean, it feels that way. It feels like, you know, Magic said when he stepped down, he's like, no, I just want to be back to being Magic. I want to, like, I want to, you know, be able to tweet. get you, you son of a... Exactly. And that was below the surface, clearly. So... It's hard to know. I, I don't think there's anybody who's a good guy in this. I think Magic's been pretty two-faced, and I think that it's a response to something that was clearly happening while he was there that he didn't like. And and so I don't think that I don't think it's a situation where Magic's the good guy and he's going to light this on fire because he was wronged. Where at the same time everybody else was the bad guy. I, I think there's no good guys in this situation. I think that that's what makes it a, a, such a big mess. I am 100% do not ever. Mess with Magic Johnson because he will take you down. And you know he's got the platform to do it. Absolutely. All right. Hey, listen, highways and byways are getting a little busy right now, but I need you to calm down. I need you to feel a little bit better. How about, can we do a Padres Rewind right now? I'm just going to make you feel good today on your way to work. How about we relive what Chris Paddock did yesterday to the Arizona Diamondbacks? Want to know what happened with the Friars? It's time for Padres Rewind. He's hot. He's hot. Brought to you by EcoWater. Your water perfected. The 2-2. Swihart swings and misses strike three. Two strikeouts in each of the first two innings for Chris Paddock. Six up, six down at Diamondbacks. The pitch from Paddock and a ground ball to the right side. Kinsler at second has it. Two second for one. Machado's turn. No chance to get Dyson. And that will be an RBI fielder's choice. It gives Arizona a 1-0 lead here in the third. 2-2 pitch, ground ball left side. Garcia waits on it, goes to second, that's one. Kinsler's turn, in time, double play. Swings at the first pitch and sends it in the air to deep right center field. Dyson racing back, looking up, it's going to go! A two-run homer for Fran Mil Reyes, and he does change the game with one big swing. Padres lead 2-1, just like that. Two balls and a strike. Marte waiting, and the pitch is grounded to first base. Hosmer's got it behind the bag, brings it to first himself, and the inning is over. Somehow, Warren gets it done. 
Arizona leaves the bases loaded in the top of the seventh and will go to the bottom with the Padres in front. Three balls and two strikes the count. Kirby is set to go. Here's the pitch to Kelly. It is lifted in the air to deep left center field. Margot going back just in front of the track. He gets there to make the catch and the ball game is over. Padres take game one of the series, two to one over the Diamondbacks. That was Padres Rewind, brought to you by EcoWater. Stay hydrated, San Diego. Ryan Phillips has the biggest smile on his face because it was paddock day. It was. It was a great night. He, he, great he was, night. Yeah. And I hope that makes you feel a little bit better while you're driving to work. Game two will come up tonight uh, here on The Fan. As we talk about... Steph Curry and the greatness of the Warriors last night. And I don't, you hear that all the time, right? The greatness of this, the greatness of that. But how else could you describe what the Golden State Warriors have done, not only in this playoff, but as a dynasty over the last few years? It is greatness. I mean, it's, it's, and, you know, it's, what is it, five straight finals for the first time since 1966, uh, since the Celtics did it. Uh, Jordan didn't do it. Jordan did not. Bird do it. didn't do it. Nope. Magic didn't do it. Uh, and and I think that Curry's greatness individually isn't as impressive as the Warriors' greatness. I think Curry is amazing, and he what he's done is changed the game of basketball. There's no question about that. His legacy is secure because of the way he's changed how the game is played, and he's changed the way the game is played. You go watch high school games. And kids want to be Steph Curry. They want to – it kind of makes it ugly at times because it's very hard to be Steph Curry. But guys are shooting threes from deeper than they ever have before. Guys are pulling up in the middle of their offense from deep. And it's changed the college game. Certainly very heavy three-point focused teams are doing very well. Uh, it's open, spread the floor. But that's been a team concept with the Warriors, and I think that's what has made this so much better. I don't think Steph Curry is – the guy he is, he might be an MVP. He might put up even bigger numbers, but without Clay Thompson, without Dream on Green, without those other guys around him, now Kevin Durant, it, the team success wouldn't be there as much. It was the perfect philosophy for the perfect player, all fitting at once, and that's where the comparison comes with with where you're going with this. Is a guy like Tom Brady, um, you know, it's the perfect coach for him. It's the perfect setup in New England for him. It's the perfect place where guys want to go and play with him and all that stuff. So uh, it really, it, there is a solid comparison to be made here. All right, so let me throw this out. If you had to pick, if you had to pick a team to model your organization after, if we're talking about the class, the creme de la creme, the pinnacle of sports, who is it? Is it TB12? Or is it Steph Curry? Are we talking about the team? We're talking about let's let's first talk about the leaders of the team. Yeah, then I would I would say Tom Brady just because he's done it. You know, it's, he, they've won fifteen of sixteen division titles. They won sixteen of eighteen division titles in the AFCs. They won ten in a row. They're six. They won six championships. Six and three in those Super Bowls. So they've gone to nine Super Bowls. Uh, the three Super Bowls they lost were by a total of 15 points. They're not getting blown out in Super Bowls. They're actually going – the ones they lost were great games. Uh, I just think that that long, sustained period of success in a major sport we'll never see again. I don't. I think that it's such a narrow road to – you know, the, the, the margin of victory – the margin of victory for victory for 
in the NFL like that is just, it's a tightrope. And they've walked it perfectly for so long. The Warriors, in their short period of time, may have been more impressive in that short period of time. But the fact that Tom Brady has been able to do it for 18 seasons is unbelievable. You look at what Steph Curry has done to an organization that was just awful, right? Just awful. Jim, you've watched the Warriors forever, right? Yeah, I have. They were awful. Nobody cared about the Warriors. I remember the good old Bobby Sura, Troy Murphy, uh, Ty, or who was it? AC Law days. Bobby Sura, man, that's a flashback. Yeah, uh, they've been they've been one of the worst franchises in all sports until Joe Lake bought the team, and Steph Curry has been the only constant with them uh, throughout this whole entire dynasty winning streak that they have. 96-97, I was the post-game show host for the Warriors. I mean, you want to talk about a team that had really no fans, no following. Uh, I was there. It was P.J. Carlismo was the coach. Latrell Sprewell, Joe oh, that, Smith. That was a great combo right there. Uh, Those guys <laughs> made a great you had You had Chris Mullen at the end of his career. I mean, it was the most insignificant franchise in all of sports. I will say this. The Warriors fans have always been good fans. And and even during the bad times, and and I have to say that when they won their first title, I felt really good. I grew up a Lakers fan, but I felt really good for Warriors fans. I really did. And now now they're just... And now you look today at what the Warriors have done. 833-288-0973. We're just at the very beginning of this domination, this dynasty for Steph Curry. I'm going to tell you right now, I think what he's done in this short time is more impressive than what Tom Brady's done over this 18-year span. Wow, that's 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 crazy because to me, I mean, look, I don't I I'm not not to diminish what Steph has done at all. It's just the fact that Brady's done it for Almost twenty years, Almost consistently 20 years. being in the championship discussion, and it's not like when they're not reaching the championship, they're out in the first round. They're 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 a playoff team every year, and they're in a, in a deep into division. the playoffs in a weak division. Well, they're deep into the playoffs. They're going to Super Bowls. They've lost three Super Bowls, like I said, by fifteen points combined. I mean, they, you know, so they have lost three Super Bowls, but they could easily have nine. They could easily have nine, and so I think it's. It's. I, I agree that what Steph has done in basketball alone, it's been as impressive a five-year run as we've seen in the history of basketball, for sure. Uh, but I just think what, what Brady and the Patriots have done is more impressive because it's lasted so long. Now, again, in three years, we revisit this discussion, the Warriors could easily surpass them. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of... I think the longevity of what the Patriots have done is so impressive, and I think, because they keep they keep filtering out players, bringing in new right. players, and it just works. And I think that you look at what the the New England Patriots have done, as impressive as that is. Like you said, the eighteen years they could have they they could have won three more Super Bowls easily if the ball bounces the other way, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's been a consistent product all the way along with TB twelve, right? Sure. Since since Tom took over for Drew Bledsoe. You brought in different running backs. You brought in different wide receivers. You went from Edelman. You had Moss. You had all these different guys over there, right? Completely different defenses. Completely different defenses. But the system stayed basically the same, right? Here's where I think 
the greatness of Steph Curry outshines TB12? Think about this. The first Splash Brothers were this cute little group that won shooting threes, right? Um, They had a complete style of how they did it. Then they bring in KD, and they completely remake the entire franchise, the entire offensive game plan. They adjust. Steph goes, fine, I'm going to give KD the ball. I'm gonna. We're gonna change. We're gonna change who we are. Then KD gets hurt this year. In most teams, that would sink. You you think about this. He uh, Steph said this last night after the game. They've lost three frontline All Star starters, and on the fly, he has made the adjustment with this team to go back to a completely different ball club without. Boogie Cousins, who they were going to count on, without Katie, without Andre Iguodala. He's actually been able to spin the hands of time back to go back to the old Splash Brothers on the fly during the playoffs, and they still dominate everybody. But they've, they've done that before, though. I mean, I mean, I mean you, I, lose, I, you lose three starters like that, and you're telling me you're sweeping the Blazers? That is so impressive for me. It has been incredibly impressive. But what I'll say is I think that team, and, and Durant, there's that – Sort of red herring out there of oh they're a better team without Durant. No, 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 I I don't think that's true. I agree with you. I see. I don't think they're better without Durant. What I think is that they play better basketball, and I think they're more comfortable without Durant because they can revert to that style and they can revert to just Steph pick and roll with Draymond. Either get it to Draymond, kick it to the a ball move that they had last the night. Ball moves so much better with Kevin Durant off the floor. Now, are they a better team? Probably not, because Durant is one of the best one-on-one players in basketball, and if things bog down, if guys aren't hitting their shots, if Curry has an off night, which is, just doesn't seem to happen anymore, you give the ball to Durant, he goes and, and makes it happen for you. And I think their defense is better when Durant's on the on the floor in the playoffs. During the regular season, not so much, but he is he turns it up in the playoffs. But I think that it's easier for Steph with Durant off the floor, and that's why you see him go on these insane runs. And, and we were talking about it before the show. It's all you it takes for the Warriors to win is Steph to get hot for three minutes in the third quarter. Game's over. We went to go watch the game in a bar the other night, and I was eating, and I looked up. Warriors are down by fifteen. Eat more. Look up. Warriors are up by two. I mean that that's it's, Steph. That's Steph Curry. Um, let's take some telephone calls. 833-288-0973. 833-288-0973. Uh, the number for you to join us here on the program. We're talking a lot of Warriors. Uh, we're talking a lot of Magic. And, of course, we're talking about... Paddock Day. Paddock Day. Uh, Manny, South Bay, welcome. You're on the fan. Uh, really quick. Mullet Monday came through. Paddock's the boy. Sheriff's in town. To talk about the Golden State Warriors and Brady, I hate to say this because I hate both of them, but Golden State is the better selfless team without KD crying sprinkles out of his cupcake. You know what? They feel like they don't have to give him the ball so that he gets his 30 and he's content. Football, I mean, that's a team sport, and for Brady to take over games by himself, a season where he missed, like, what, two, three games in the beginning of the season, and they still, like, without a flaw, go to the final or the Super Bowl? I mean, Brady's the better athlete. Give it, like you guys said, two, three, four more years. After Golden State gets three or four more, and they're going to be the better all-around team in sports that we've ever seen. And none of the millennial fans remember when Latrell Sprewell gave PJ that necklace. <laughs> exactly. All right, Manny, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. No, I agree with him. I think in a couple of years you could see the Warriors certainly surpass them. I just think that 
two decades of pretty much it felt like going to the Super Bowl every other year in football with so much parody in football where right. it's a different can you know it's it's hard to compare anything to that i but i do think look if the warriors are in the finals the next 2 years and win both of those championships discussion's over it's the warriors but right now it's just the longevity for a football team is so insane for it to last this long cuz teams go through cycles in in football you're good for 5 years then you get a new quarterback, and it takes five more years to rebuild, and then you're at the top again. And then you go, that hasn't happened with the, with the Patriots. Am I staring at you uncomfortably right now? Why? I just Manny was talking about mullets, and you, you Paddock Day gives you such great joy. I'm just wondering how you would look with a mullet. No, uh, it's, Have you ever had it's a never going to work. No, no, I. You'd look good with a mullet. I'm I'm Mr. Short Hair. I I cut this off as soon as it gets. Oh, you'd look way. good. Party, uh, party, <laughs> business in front, party in the back. I'll think about it. I'll take that under. Uh, I'll take that under. All right. Advisement. If the Padres make it to the World Series, would you grow a mullet? If if I could tell you right now today, if you grew a mullet, the Padres would win a World Series in your lifetime. Would you do it? Oh sure, but you know, well they've already been oh win a win World a World Series. Uh, I think. What my, would you be willing to do to stand up for San Diego? I think my girlfriend would probably break up with me. But other than that, then, I mean, you know what? Then how much of a fan are you really if you're willing? To just let uh, the the love of your life get between you and a World Series championship T-shirt. Uh, I, I, I how about uh, I'll grow it out for three months and see where we're at. I don't know if I can go mullet. I don't know if it would go down that far. I think it would just kind of pop up. All right, boys, that. you ready for this, Jim? You ready for this? I'm going to ask him the ultimate question. If you had to have a mullet for the rest of your life, to have Dean Spanos sell the Chargers and move them back to San Diego, would you do it? Oof. Yeah, probably. You'd be willing to go if, mullet if for the he, rest of your life. If he's, he did, the if Chargers he got come on the mic, if he got on a microphone and admitted that the move to LA was a failure, as we all know it is, then yeah, man, I'd. I'd You'd rock a mullet. Sure, why not? <laughs> why not? The people who love me will love me regardless. And you'd be willing to do that for him to stand on a stage and admit that this was a massive mistake and he's a tool. And for the Chargers to come back to San Diego under a different owner? Yeah, sure. Why not? Before we're done this week, I'm going to ask you to say one nice thing about uh, Mr. Spanos. That's just not going to happen. I'm just going to see if I can get you to say one nice thing about him. Say one nice thing about the L.A. Chargers. Uh, I'm going to say, I could say one nice thing about Dean. He has a very nice house in La Jolla. That's as, that's about as good. As I was yeah. I was gonna go. He's rich. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's done a good job inheriting all that money. Yeah. <laughs> And by the way, I think I'm going to find myself, like in my house, we have a swear jar. Mm-hmm. I, I've been cursing way too much at home. So my son broke out the swear jar. So every time I say something bad, I, I owe him a quarter right now. I think I'm, I, I haven't had any cash in my pocket. So I think I'm in, I think I'm in the rears to him, like $6.50. Wow. I think I need to throw money into the swear jar because I did say chargers with that city in the 213 in front of it. I don't like saying that. Oh, you mean the San Diego Chargers of Los Angeles yeah. or whatever it is? Yeah, yeah. I don't like I don't like saying that. It, um, it's it's honestly it gives me like it adds time to my life when broadcasters continually say the San Diego Chargers on the air. It it like I think it it's it's you know it's like adding a, a it's like when you're playing a video game and you get added a life. That's that's what's going on every time it happens. That was best of coach five to nine mornings right here on ninety seven three the fan.
We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.